Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. We are live in the Asia Tech Podcast studio. This is Pitch Tech Asia. My name is Graham Brown, joined by Nicolas Vanov, the founder of Tutoro, a marketplace for private language tutor. Absolutely. Nice Welcome. to meet you, Graham. Thank you for welcoming me. Um, I represent the team, Tutoro. I say I represent them because we're a Singaporean startup, but yep. most of us actually work overseas in Manila, in Jakarta, even in Argentina, actually, right now for our developer. Um, so uh, I'm very happy to be here. Great. And there's a bit of a story with your own name, which sort of links into the whole international language speaking. With a name like Nicolas Van Hove, it could be from anywhere. It sounds Dutch, yet yes, you is. are from? France. France. As you can tell with my strong accent, I can also speak like this if you prefer. No, um, it's, it's a Dutch name. Yeah. My father grew up in the north part of France, uh, the famous region called the, the, the region of the people called Ch'ti. Ch'ti. Uh, there is a famous movie uh, from 12 years ago, I think, that relates to uh, their very strong accent there. It doesn't really have it, and I don't have it either. But it's, uh, it's a Dutch name. I don't have any relatives from uh, the Netherlands. I don't speak Dutch, unfortunately. Right. It's a very impressive language. Sounds yeah. astonishing when you st when you hear that language. Oh yeah, we've got some Dutch next door. Really, you, yeah. you can't be mistaken. Like it has to no. be Dutch. It's yeah, it's clearing very, very distinctive. Yeah, exactly. So you are passionate about languages. I get that. So we're going to talk about Tutoro. We're going to talk about the genesis of that, how it started, the why behind it, and why you in the language space. What, what is your background? Are you a language person? You're very much a, a presenter, aren't you? You've had sort of experience in sort of very much people facing businesses. How did you get into this space? Well, that's a good question, Graham. It was, I think, serendipity, a lot of coincidences, life. Um, I moved to Canada when I was 19. So I moved out of France. Uh, I studied in a business school there called HEC Montreal. And uh, after I graduated, once I graduated, I started a job there uh, in marketing and mm. in sales, uh, being involved in a first startup that was actually created in my living room by my uh, French-Canadian flatmate. Right. It was amazing, a very uh, interesting experience because from 2010 up to 2013, we grew a business from absolutely zero money from outside investors to a business that was generating $10 million a year, mm -hmm. um, Canadian dollars. Doing what? Doing solar uh, investments. Mm -hmm. we, were, we were actually um, selling solar energy investments to people. Unfortunately, the company went bankrupt. I left way before it happened. Uh, it was not, it was badly managed. Unfortunately, mm. um, it had a lot of potential. I learned a lot from the mistakes that that business actually made. And I learned a lot also from uh, the successes that they have achieved. Mm. It was very outstanding to start a business in a living room um, with great ideas and with the trust of suppliers, of customers, it was very interesting. After I moved to, after, after this experience, I moved to Hong Kong. I moved to Hong Kong because I wanted to try things, new things. I mm. wanted to get out of my comfort zone. I also wanted to really um, discover a new part of the world. I had no mortgage, I was 25, no kids, no children, no wife. So I had uh, nothing to, to lose really. I moved to Hong Kong and after a while I understood that Hong Kong's lifestyle is way more expensive than the one I had in Canada. Mm. So to pay my rent, I started to teach French. And I found that a lot of people were paying a premium for French 
speakers hmm. or two French speakers, but it could be for other languages also. People were looking for German speakers, English, native English speakers. They actually call them the net teachers there, uh, NET. They were paying a premium because this service was or has never really existed. Um, the fact that native speakers of any, in any language, could be Portuguese from Brazil, travel to a place like Hong Kong is something rather new or it's new if those people actually come to a place with no expatriate contract mm. or job in mm. mind. That's new. That did not exist 10, 15 years ago. Those people actually travel to a place with nothing in mind, just like me. So when I settled in Hong Kong, I started to teach French. Um, it was uh, a very good way for me to meet with Hong Kong people and also to pay my rent. As I said, Hong Kong is a very expensive city. I've done this for up to 12 months and then I moved to Singapore. Mm. So you were teaching English in Hong Kong. French. Sorry, my mistake. I used to teach English. That's, That's part right. of the story. <laughs> so you're teaching French in Hong Kong. Then you moved to Singapore. Were you teaching French private? Was it through another company? It was absolutely private. Right. I would put my um, personal direct uh, ads in directories. Right. It could be Craigslist. Hustling. All of this stuff. Exactly. To, yeah. I had no choice. Uh, and, uh, and people would contact me. Right. So you moved from Hong Kong to Singapore. What was the idea behind that? Because it wasn't any cheaper. No, exactly. That's a good point, Graham. Actually, um, it's the only other country in Asia um, that has English as an official language that I really thought of, um, I think. I'm maybe not right on this, but I believe that really it was the only other place where I could see myself grow mm. and, uh, and establish myself for a couple of years. So when I moved to Singapore, I had nothing. I was on tourist visa for mm. a while, mm. uh, which is um, something that's not really common for uh, foreigners when they come to Singapore in the first place. But... The, the people I used to teach English or uh, French and German, mm. actually, I also taught some German. It was funny because, as I told you earlier on, <laughs> German is definitely not my mother tongue. Um, when, when, I when I taught French to Hong Kongers, they, they stuck with me on Skype because they didn't want to lose me. So yeah. I've been, I had taught them on Skype for another year after I settled in Singapore. And some people were still looking for a private in-person French tutor. So that's how I started Tutoro by finding other people like me who moved to Hong Kong and uh, had time and the confidence that they mm. could teach French to people there. Okay, let's have a look at the pitch deck because the way you've laid it out, it's very nice as well. I like the, the logical steps, problem, solution. Why do we need this first? If we can have a look, flash it up, and we'll get the uh, problem slide up here. Why do we need this first? Because there are a lot of solutions out there. There are traditional language schools, I worked for one back in the 90s. You know, they made a lot of money pe teaching people in private mm -hmm. or group classes. Um, there is that network of language schools, particularly in English. I don't know so much in other languages, but they exist. Um, there are platforms like italki, for example, where people can teach as well online. Why do we need another platform in that space? What's the difference? Let's start with the problem first. What was the problem you're solving here? So as you said, there are a lot of businesses that I call the brick and mortar businesses already established. Could be the Goethe Institute for German Berlitz or Alliance Francaise for French. Um, these businesses actually work with professional teachers. If you're looking for a private French lesson in Singapore with Alliance Francaise and you ask the teacher to come to your home, they charge, last time I checked, it was $180 an hour. 
Wow. It's something that only a few people can afford. And even if they afford it, they will really have high expectations. But it makes sense because, as I said, there are brick and mortar businesses. They have rents to pay. They have advertising materials to pay. Mm. There are a lot of things to pay. So we are trying to, um, to, to make it affordable to the people to learn languages and there have n- there have never been that many migration um, waves as in 2019. Mm. People from France like me are moving to other countries like never before. People from from the UK, oh, yeah. same the thing. The old world. So so I believe in this. I also believe that if I was able to teach French in Hong Kong, and I'm not a professional French tutor, I also believe that anyone else who has the confidence and who is native in the language that they want to teach can also do it. Right. So explain to me that, and maybe for some of the listeners as well, it's an important part of the story, that migratory wave. Something's happening at the moment. From my personal perspective, I see a lot of French people coming to Asia now. And where there have been a lot of English speaking people in Asia for some time. But recently in the last few years, a lot of French coming here as well. Mm. A lot here, we've got La French Tech here in Singapore, which is very active, as as well as in China, mainland China, very active there. What's going on? That's a very good question. I've been... I've been asking the question to myself for the last 12 years. Um, I was perhaps one of the pioneers in the 2000s uh, when I moved to Montreal in business school. A lot of people in my classroom were looking at me as if I were a freak, to be honest, because why are you moving there? Why don't you stay in France? We have great schools there. The real answer is that first, I wanted to live an experience. And also, uh, the scholarship in Canada, as compared to the one in France, was cheaper. So it was super easy to convince my parents to send me right. in Canada. Uh, and the culture is very different in Canada also. Uh, students there, once they've reached their university, most of them actually work on the side. It's not like in France where your parents uh, pay for, for your tuition if they can afford it. So, so I learned a lot. It's basically because we aim to learn a lot. I think the France... Um, the way in France that uh, in universities, in schools, especially in schools, from primary school up to high school, we learn a lot about the rest of the world. We we really have something special in France. Uh, we never say it enough, but the education system is great. Mm. And um, anytime you meet with a French person, if they speak your language, uh, and they are, they will definitely be connected to you because of the things that they've learned at school because of the things that um, they want to share. We are driven by something that we've learned at school. I don't know what it is, but I know that we will learn a lot more than Canadians, for example, if I may say. Mm. We learn it in a very different way. Uh, Canadians learn languages in a better way than we do, I believe, because I was able to learn at school in university in Canada as much as I learned at school in in France. Um, Two different ways of teaching, two different methods um, and I really believe that in France, we have something, curiosity. That's what I was mm. trying to look for here mm. uh, by speaking out loud with you. But curiosity is maybe something we have. And that's why we love to explore the rest of the world. Mm. But it's also because we can afford it. I'm pretty sure that a lot of other uh, citizens of many other countries are curious, but they won't do it. Mm. Um, unless, unfortunately, they are migrants and they have to do it because they have no other choice. Actually, it's a good point because we uh, work with Syrians in Paris and we tell them you can make money teaching Arabic. 
They speak a beautiful language uh, because Arabic, as you know, is a language that's very complex with many different uh, regions in the world where it's widely spoken. But the Arabic from Syrians is very uh, requested, very demanded mm. in places like, uh, like Paris, actually. Interesting. And so you're tapping into a group of teachers, language teachers, tutors, who not necessarily professionals, but they qualify by the fact that they can speak the language and they have yes. been doing since birth, right? Yes. Therefore, they're fluent. And the best way of teaching is obviously through conversation as well, yeah. you know, rather than necessarily just reading out of a textbook. And, you know, if you and I had to sit down and explain grammar in our own languages, if somebody said present perfect tense, I wouldn't know what that was, but I use it every day and so likewise in French right? you have a so good point uh, that's why at first I was kind of afraid of doing tutorial and the way it is by just matching people based on their confidence and the fact that they are uh, proficient in the language mm. but I soon discovered after teaching French to over 100 people in Hong Kong that the questions they will ask me were always about the same and after two, three students, I was able to nail every single answer mm. just based on the fact that it was the same questions over and over. So we are working right now on giving away tools to our community of tutors, over 71,000 people as of today. We, we want them to be um, helped because right now they are not really helped and it works really fine. People are very happy on both sides, could be the tutors or the students. But we are like Uber we don't ask for a driving license. The only one we ask is, are you proficient in the language? Yeah. Do you believe, do you have the confidence to do it? It's, just, it's all driving license. It's the fact of um, speaking that language natively. Right. And if they don't, they're soon going to get found out, aren't they? So they don't even dare to sign up because right. people are very genuine. Mm. Um, that's a question I, I get asked so uh, super often. How do you screen the people? Well, first, we have a team. Uh, so right there, we have a team, but we ask questions. When you sign up on the website, if you go on tuto.co slash sign up or you click on the, uh, the top uh, right uh, button, mm. there is a sign up button to become a teacher. You will be asked questions. If you don't want to do it, just don't answer. Right. And if you do it, my team will actually use WhatsApp to contact you within 24 hours. And we will ask you questions on WhatsApp. And we will also ask you to share a very short introduction video so that we get to know about you and we can share that with our mm -hmm. audience and with our students. People who really want to do it, do it. Yeah. And they do it well. Yeah. Um, that makes a great experience as well. Because, it, you know, I think you'll find as somebody who studied a language and also taught a language is that having good teachers makes every, every difference, right, to the students. You know, they don't have to be technically the best teacher, but if they're passionate, they really care about the student, the customer service is great, so to speak. That really motivates people to learn. You can think back to school. I mean, everybody watching and listening will know that one teacher, they could have been a maths teacher or a history teacher or geography or a language teacher, but they took a subject which other teachers had kind of failed at teaching because they just taught it from the book, but they were really into it. And therefore, you really look forward to that history lesson or that exactly. German lesson, maybe, because the teacher was really into it. So getting those people is a challenge, right? But if you can get those and support those people who really want to do it, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, our aim is to become a household name for uh, these migrants who actually come to discover a new country where they've never mm. been before. We want them to know and to remember our name so that worst comes to worst, they can still teach their mother tongue through 
the tutorial platform and being matched with in-person locals, actually with, um, mm. with locals who want to hire them for in-person lessons. Because what we do is we really believe in in-person meetings. We, we don't do online. I've tried. I've tried, but it's very, uh, uh, the commitment is not there. When you want to learn a language, you don't want to learn the language to speak right. it in front of a screen. So all your lessons are face-to-face? Face-to-face. So you person. differ from italki because there's all online. Yeah. Right. Explain to me, I know you're just getting into that, but the, obviously that, that requires a lot more logistics and cost, right, in doing that. So, Well, people value the time of the native speakers we work with. So that's why they pay between, in Singapore, it's between $30, $40 an hour up to $100 an hour, depending yeah. on the qualification of the tutors. Um, and their feedback, because we collect feedback. So it's like Airbnb. Mm. The most uh, stars you get, the more scores, Absolutely. the better score you get, uh, the higher your price can be. It makes sense. It's really all for supply and demand. Um, but right now, in terms of logistics, no, there is not any not issue, an issue because people no. meet up at their homes. We always suggest that for the first lesson, they meet up in a public place. like Starbucks. Starbucks coffee. Yeah. I see it all the time in Starbucks. Exactly. People, exactly. They, they must so, be you lot. Yes, I hope so. I'd love to be able to flag them with a tuto flag. so that A little flag that you put on the I table. I would love to be able, Graham, to have a map, an interactive map, so that we can see right now as, a, as we speak where are our students meeting with our tutors? Because right. as we speak, uh, Tutoro, our business model is very simple. Uh, we take a transaction fee every time we match you with a, yeah. with a student. If let's say you want to teach English, I find you someone in your area who wants to hire you once a week to learn English with you. They pay mm. you $100 per week. We will take the first two weeks of tuition as a one-time transaction fee. We keep, collect it and we keep it. So we take $200. Mm. But after this, you keep 100% of your revenue. Right. So we don't track uh, where our students are and where the tutors are after the first two weeks of lessons. Mm -hmm. But right now, if we were to do it, there are actually more than 10,000 people meeting up every single week mm -hmm. in, uh, in, in, your, in, in every city in which we are operating. And we're operating in 25 cities across the world. Unfortunately, there is no way to track it right now. Um, maybe and soon uh, we that's our aim that's my vision we will be able to track it through Instagram pictures we had somebody mm. actually today posting and because of the hashtag tutorial people uh, are able to take pictures and post them there but that's the only way right now right. but an interactive map will be really pleasant to be to, to see because we've achieved something uh, it took a lot of energy and effort from my team also to do this manually to actually interact with every single request that we get we try to do things that don't scale to scale mm. a business that eventually will scale. Okay, good. We're going to have a look at some of your numbers in a minute. Um, I'm conscious of the fact that, well, we, we've talked about the solution. You do have a slide here on the pitch deck, which is the solution slide, which you've, you've kind of helped us understand a bit. If we go to slide three, um, you've explained to me that it's an offline tutoring solution face-to-face -face. for languages yep for languages um you, you've mentioned uh, i wonder how much of a part of the story is you mentioned migrants you've mentioned french language for example just so i can you under can you help us understand just in terms of how important all of that is in the, the general mix was these just examples that you picked I examples mean, okay they're just examples so language wise what is typical is it dominated by english or yes. it is so english yes. is the main language a third of all the requests we get are for english a third? Yes. So it's the Worldwide. biggest, but not 
dominate i mean it's not sort of like 70 80 percent right so it's no no it's not dominant as you are trying right. to to mention it no no uh, it's very fragmented and that's also why uh, there are only a few startups like us in this uh, niche it's a it's a niche the language industry actually when you think about it because think about who wants to learn turkish today in singapore you cannot name one single person hmm. and still we are receiving inquiries right. from people who want to learn turkish because out of a population of seven million inhabitants there is very likely uh, there, there is a small percentage of these people Absolutely. who want to, yeah. to learn Turkish and pick up with that language. Same for many other languages. We were talking about Farsi earlier on. It's one of these niche languages. But you're lots of niches. That's the point. Lots of it? niches. Super and fragmented. You couldn't set up a language school and just teach Turkish because it's too expensive exactly. to service one person. Absolutely. Yet you can connect one person and one person, job done. So you can service lots and lots of niches right? if you don't have the overhead of a traditional language school. Because who cares if there's only one person learning Farsi? Yeah, exactly. Right? If there's one teacher, there's one student, you can make a match. There you go. There's no difference from t connecting English or Farsi, right? And there is nobody else who actually did that before. No. So that's where we're trying to innovate. Um, we believe that when I was in Hong Kong teaching French, I was... Uh, I was surprised by the demand. I was like, this yeah. is never going to end. People want to learn French for their two-year-old kids who don't even speak English and Chinese and Cantonese. It was amazing, like the the excitement for that language. And then I just found out that the excitement was about the same for many other languages that I did not even think of in the first place. So I started to talk with Hong Kong in the first place, but then I opened up to Singapore. As I said, it's also fragmenting the cities because we connect people locally. They have mm. to meet up in person. So it's fragmented in the languages and also fragmented so vertically with the languages and horizontally with the geographics. Mm. We have to be able to match them physically. So it's challenging. Yeah, you mentioned uh, an interesting point, Nicholas, is about connection. And I, you know, this is not just about learning language. This is about connection as well. So why would somebody learn French? Of course, they would learn French because they have to, maybe for studies, for their job. Um, they may be interested in wine or whatever is associated with France, right? Typical. Yet, I think a lot of people learn languages because they want to connect with people. Very true, for example, you talk about those Syrian immigrants, that it connects them and makes them economically useful mm -hmm. in a city where maybe they feel a little bit isolated on the outside. Now they can actually do something and create value and be of value yep. when a lot of people are looking at them thinking, why are they here? But they're actually creating value and use. And yet I think people just want to connect. If you're interested in Turkish, you might be interested in travel, Turkish culture, the Middle East or, you know, whatever it is, you might be interested in all of that, right? And I think people just want to connect with people as well. So that's a big part of it as well, that maybe you can't capture online. The Absolutely. fact you can make friends with people, people, learn about them. Some people are just passionate about people. Yes, the, the, the people we work with, the tutors, they, they love uh, the commitment that they get from students who hire them not just to learn language, but to, to, to live an experience. Mm. Uh, people value experiences more than before. Interesting. Uh, that's why Airbnb Experience is born also, was born a couple of years back. We actually communicated with them not long ago because they wanted to learn more about us. How do we reach out to those communities of Koreans living in Sydney as much as we reach out to communities mm. of Arabic speakers living in Singapore? It's complicated, super fragmented. Uh, and the reasons why they want to learn a language are also very fragmented. There is not one answer. Yeah. There are many. Yeah. It's a hobby for a lot of people as well, isn't it? Yes. As much as for professional... Yeah, yeah we have... Uh, 
50% of our uh, students are actually adults and the other 50% are, are, are teens or kids mm. and, uh, and teachers are being hired by their parents. But that's, that shows that those 50% of adults They don't have anyone to tell them you need to learn that language. Yeah. No, it's really because they want it, most of them, and, and it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. People like learning. Okay. Before we go into the numbers, there has been in the recent years an interesting, like a resurgence, not resurgence, but a surgence in interesting language. Like if you go on to YouTube, there's a lot of young people now who describe themselves as polyglots. Mm-hmm. He'll speak, there's a one guy who speaks 17 languages. A young guy, and I forget his name, but he's quite famous. And he has a channel where he talks about language. And for him, he learns languages not because se- he needs to learn 17 languages. I don't think anybody, apart from C-3PO, needs to speak that many languages. He learns because he's passionate about languages and learning. And I'm amazed that there are these people who are learning really bizarre languages. I say bizarre, you know, not English, French, German, Spanish, right? Chinese, maybe. But they're learning languages which are challenging like Swahili or just things you wouldn't even thought people mm-hmm. have an interest in. So w- what are you seeing? Are you seeing people like really getting into these sort of niche languages as well? Because obviously English, because it's functional and you can watch movies and read books and etc. I'll believe, uh, I would say that Tuto serves those people who... Uh, who face challenges when they are looking for a private tutor who lives near them in a language that's not common. Um, of course, we have Spanish tutors, Japanese tutors, English tutors, uh, German teachers. But if you want to learn, I don't know, Xosa, you were talking about Swahili or uh, so many other languages that actually exist. We opened up to the sign language recently. Mm. Then we discovered that sign language is, is also fragmented into sub-languages. There is the British sign yeah, language. Absolutely. And then there, is, there are many languages um, that we don't even think of in the first place. Mm. And that's where we want to be. We want to help people make it affordable. And as you said, help people who feel, um, who want to feel helpful um, and want to feel, to achieve something. Not just the learners, but the teachers. It feels good. When I've taught French to over 100 people in Hong Kong and I'm still in touch with some of them, I can tell you it feels great that we, we, we had fun together and I taught them things that they would never have learned otherwise. Mm. So, so it's really an experience. Uh, yeah, they learn about your culture as well. You're not just teaching learn, about nouns yeah, and verbs and stuff. Could talk- jokes could be about the movies I've yep. watched, the books I read. Um, the famous people in France... See, I say it with a French accent, the famous people in France. But there are a lot of things that they can learn uh, that they would never learn through a screen or yeah. through, uh, through, through a school. Absolutely. Um, why hasn't this been done already? Why hasn't... I mean, there's been Berlitz and Allons Francais and, and mm. the, the German one. They're everywhere, right? And Berlitz, obviously, you know, and we've got the British Council and all these kind of like government support. Why haven't they done this? And why haven't the online people moved into your space? Because it's tough. It's very fragmented. Um, startups don't like to be challenged with fragmentation. Ch- uh, fragmentation itself scares a lot of people. Hmm. It scared me when I first started to run Google Ads campaigns. And I found that I had to build one Google Ads campaign per country, per language. I can tell you that right now we have over nearly 1,000 campaigns. It's crazy. Nobody wants to do this. Not right. even digital agencies. They don't even do that. It's too fragmented. It's a lot of work. And then you have to deal with every single request individually. So that's why I, 
um, I love my team because we are able to do this together. But when I first started Tutoru, I would actually use WhatsApp to connect people together. Mm. So I would get an inquiry from John in Hong Kong willing to learn French. I will connect him with Eric, a French tutor I knew in Hong Kong. And I will build the WhatsApp group myself. Right. Who does this, seriously? It's like a concierge. Like a concierge. Yeah, yeah, it's hard work. Who does this? It was not hard work when I first did it because I found it was really actually easy to connect two people together. But then when I had to do it massively, mm. when the requests start kicking in, yeah, it was completely insane. Uh, I was on my phone 24-7 and, and that's why I had to delegate some part of that work to an amazing team. But they work hard and they work for free. Because we won't charge anything to the students unless the, they actually find a match. Right. So and who we, works for free? That you're my team. Right. I mean, they are paid, but they work for free for the students because uh, we, okay. <laughs> nobody works for free in this yeah. world. Exactly. No, you discovered something that exactly. I haven't. Right. No, they, they work for free because let's say you're looking for a Japanese tutor in Singapore. Yeah. Uh, they will find one right. available on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. in Bukitima to mm. meet you. Mm -hmm. It's tough. It's not easy. It's not obvious that we will find somebody for you. It takes up an average 48 hours for us to find that right person if you don't find it in the first place for our website. So I'm talking about the after, uh, the support that our team gives you after you've made your inquiry online. Right. So do your tutors already exist on the platform? Do they go looking for tutors? No, as they well. actually exist and we look for tutors as well right. whenever there is somebody not available. So you can approach them and say, hey, we do. We have no somebody choice. here through our platform, we can set up. It's, it's so, it's complicated. Yeah. Um, it, it's not obvious that there is somebody who's going to be, that the teacher you like will be available at that place at yeah. that time. It's not like an online Skype interview. It cannot be rescheduled. No, if that person is uh, teaching at another location two hours later, they won't be willing to actually meet up with you very far away. So we have to be very flexible and and to gain the trust of our customers. Mm. So if the teacher you select on the platform is available, then fine, our job is done. That's great. We take the first two weeks off as a one-time commission. The students don't pay anything on top of this. They only pay for the tuition that they want to, that they are taking. Mm. They are not also committing for a long period of time. We don't sell packages like schools do. We, we believe in flexibility and, uh, and also, if, let's say, you as a student does not want to, to learn more than two weeks with the teacher we connected you with, it would be very unfair for us to take the first two weeks up front and to leave the teacher with no money from mm. the work that they have done in the first two weeks, usually between two and four lessons. Then if that happens within the first month, if there is a dropout uh, drop uh, drop from a student, we uh, refund half of the commission we took to the teachers. Mm -hmm. That only happens in less than 4% of all the transactions we make. I'm very proud of that number because that means that the vision I had when I started teaching French and I started connecting people after that, the fact that I believe that if you have the confidence and you're uh, proficient in the language, if those two conditions were enough, the business model will actually work. work. And that's exactly what's happening. 97% mm. of our students are very happy with the teachers we're connecting them with they would not have found them otherwise. Or we are actually increasing serendipity. That's what we do. Mm. Um, I, love, I love that word, actually, that does not really exist in French. Um, we, we believe that, yes, you could have found that Korean speaker in a directory on Gumtree, but perhaps you would not have found them. Yeah. 
So we are trying to fasten mm. that uh, chemical reaction mm. that is the match that actually happens between two people. Yeah, and you get good at it. You identify what works on both sides, right? We try to. Good. Let's have a look at some of your numbers then. You've mentioned some of your um, follow-through rates from the first two months as well, that 96, 97%. Um, let's have a look at your numbers now. If we can get the pitch deck back up. Um, my eyesight is not this good. Come on. You want so, my glasses? Yeah, I might need them. I can read it on the left-hand side. I know the numbers. Which all right. So you've got, a, you've got a couple of sets of numbers here. You've got um, your sort of future projections as well. But let's stick with where you are now. Students, tutors, how many numbers do you have on both sides? And also revenues as well. So you walk us through all of these. Actually, that has increased since I sent you the, the, the deck. All right. Um, right now, we work with a community of 71,000 tutors people who are native speakers in 25 cities across the world from Singapore and Hong Kong when we first started, mm -hmm. now in Australia, in five cities in Australia, in uh, three cities in New Zealand, in Dubai, in Abu Dhabi, in Cape Town, Manila, Jakarta, Paris, London, Brussels. So that's where we are at at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we receive every month about 2,000, more than 2,000 last month actually, uh, requests from students who want to pick up a language with a private tutor mm. near them. That's where are they coming through? For Google ad campaigns? Mostly Google. Yeah. So Google, that's why we don't have an app right now. Right. People find us through the internet, through Google. Mm -hmm. they, if you want to learn Italian, you just type learn Italian Singapore. Right. And you're that's there. how it works. Yeah. And you're there and you will find us. Uh, please don't all type learn Italian Singapore now because I'm going to pay a lot of Google ads. Yeah, your bid's uh, going to go uh, up. But, uh, exactly. But, but it's, um, it's very fragmented and that's how they find us. So 2000 is not a very... Uh, high number to be honest with you it's v we can manage that it's just a hundred inquiries a day more mm. or less and that's what our team deals with on a daily basis so that's what we do we are able to connect with them through whatsapp when there is a problem uh, we use whatsapp because the first question people ask is what's your whatsapp number anyway mm. so we prefer to cut it to the chase and, mm. and, and to make sure that we can actually get into the people's pockets could be the tutors or the students to make sure that we are there and we introduce them to the right person mm -hmm. uh, in terms of revenue yeah. uh, we have uh, we have growth we, we have actually made more than a million dollars in uh, income in the past two years and a half mm. um, it's uh, it's it's interesting because we take a small transaction fee each time we take the equivalent of the first two weeks of tuition, as I repeated, which averages uh, 400 USD mm -hmm. per transaction. So that means that, yes, we've matched over 10,000 people mm -hmm. over the past uh, two years and a half, three years, I should say now. Um, and, uh, and, and that has generated over a million dollars in income. We are completely bootstrapped. There is no uh, investors who've backed us before. Uh, I like that because I doubt investors would actually have trusted to do so many things that really don't scale. We do things that don't scale, as uh, the founder of LinkedIn once said, he, he did also things that did not scale in order to grow something that mm. eventually scaled up. What I mean by that, I'll give you an example. Um, if we connect with every single person on WhatsApp and we chat with them, WhatsApp doesn't have any API. We cannot use bots. Mm -hmm. We could use Messenger, but people don't like to use Messenger because it's linked to their Facebook profile. So there is friction there. In order to be frictionless, we've used a medium that nobody else wants to use because it's not scalable. Mm. Right now, if WhatsApp tomorrow says, there is an API available, guys, you can use it. Even if we have to pay a lot for it, 
this is going to be a unicorn mm. because we have the recipe, we have all the uh, templates, if I may say, we have all the, uh, the question and answers already ready, we have the team that's ready, we know the recipe, we have something that can be reproduced easily, we have the playbook, mm. and that playbook is scalable. But uh, I don't think investors would have trusted us up to that stage. Um, a lot of investors have actually met with, in Singapore, we can talk about it, but it's interesting. They, they want to be, they, they are two types of businesses. They, there is, a, you know, when Uber started, they were not the first company mm -hmm. that started this kind of business. They were not the first in that industry, but they were the ones who actually became superstar quite fast. There is a matter of uh, luck, but it's not it. They just reproduced something that existed from a failed company. I cannot name that other company. I don't know, but I'm sure there is a failed com a company that failed in the same business model just before them. Mm -hmm. they, they copied, pasted the best ideas and they applied them. Um, right now, there is a, a lot of luck involved in building uh, a scalable business, but that's from the 2000, from the 2010. Now we are arriving in 2020. I believe that a lot of great ideas, if they were great ideas, have already been executed. Right now, we have no other choice. We have to face fragmentation and we have to deal with clients individually to be, um, to be outstanding and to be uh, on the top of, uh, of what we do. Hmm. I forgot what was the question in the first place now. Well, we're talking about why, well, I mean, it's quite a lot. We're talking about the revenue figures and yes. then we've come to this point where um, I think we're introducing the next slide, which is about the ask. You've built all this without investors. You've bootstrapped this. Hmm. You've dug into your own personal finances. You've made money. You're already making money out of this and you've repeated the ability to make money. So it's beyond validation now. So you've de-risked it for investors. Now you're looking at new growth stage. So let's talk about that. What comes into the next chapter? If we, we've actually got a slide here. I don't know if this is completely up to date. So maybe you can talk us through this on slide seven, the ask. Yep. So you have um, your, well, you've laid out your turns, but in terms of the, the ask for investment at this stage, what are you looking for? And also, I, I want to ask why. I mean, why, if you bootstrap this, you could argue, well, keep bootstrapping it. You don't need investors. That's, that's what one I, argument. That's what we do anyway. That's right. what we do anyway, but we... I, I did not even trust uh, ourselves in the first place. You asked me this same question one year ago, I would be like, yeah, but it's a lot of work. And I still say the same thing, it's a lot of work, but that's why it works. Um, right now, our growth rate is about 100% year to year. Mm -hmm. So it's seven month compounded, month on month. Um, it's, it's not a thousand percent, like most investors would love to experience. It's just 100% a year, mm -hmm. but it's great. Uh, I believe that it could definitely reach 1,000%, 10,000%. If we had the right team, we have the right team, but more people, especially here in Singapore, involved in things such as SEO. SEO right now is only dealt with by a few people in our team. Mm. Um, SEO, it's basically search engine optimization for the ones who are not familiar with the term. It brings people to visit your website whenever there is an inquiry such as English Tutor on Google. Mm -hmm. If right now you type English Tutor, we are not on page one in Singapore, for example, because it's a very uh, requested term. Uh, and that search term actually takes time uh, to build up the right traction for your website. So if you want to get the people to visit you with that search term, uh, and it's the most uh, demanded search term, it's going to take time. So that's mm. why we use paid tools. 
we need to invest more in our brand. We aim to become a household name when it comes to private language tuition. Could be for the communities of foreigners we deal with. So all we, we want to resonate in people's minds when it comes to looking for a side job if they want to learn mm. if they want to teach French in, in in London as much as if they want to teach Arabic in Sydney or in Perth where we also are. I mean it's so fragmented that right now our main challenge is how do we get there? How do we get like Airbnb was able to get mm. there once they got some funding ten years ago? Um, they they just they had a playbook. But their main challenge was really to become the one name. It comes into people's minds. That comes yeah. into people's minds when, it, when they are looking for a BNB. It's the same for us when they are looking for a private language tutor or if they aim to become one. Yeah. So that's where the money will go if we raise money this year. Really, um, that's where it will go. I believe that right now advertising is our main challenge. We, we are a marketing company. We are not a tech company. Uh, I hear that tech word Everywhere, French tech, for example, we're talking about it. I'm part of them. Uh, I love these guys. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, especially here in Singapore. But tech is a tool. We built Tuto based on the business model in the first place. There was customers on one side and there was yeah. students on the other. Uh, sorry, uh, the suppliers on the other. So we were able to, to build a marketplace. But the tech that was built from that business model... Um, was just a tool and it's still mm. just a tool. Mm. Same way Airbnb to me is not a tech company. No, they're mm. connecting people. They are in, in tech uh, cloud, if I may say, because that's how people see them and perceive them. But I'm pretty sure the founders of Airbnb don't think they are a tech company. No, as a, as no well. they're, they're, you're right. It's a marketplace and they're connecting people. Yes. Which is what it's about. And like Airbnb, their model is built on latency in the the, the community there are a lot of people who have houses and it started off with like spare bedrooms, you know, and they couldn't do anything with the spare bedroom so they could rent it out. That was before people professionalized it and it became, you know, like people would buy units to become Airbnb hosts. And the same with you, the latency is people's time. Exactly. So there's a lot of people who have time to teach. Everybody has time. And people say, I don't have time, but you know, they're watching TV or the commuting or there's stuff. There's always time. And if they can make that economically useful, then that's of value. And the problem is, is the tech part of it is really just enabling that, finding out how you can make people's time useful. In the same way Grab or Uber has made, you know, jobs for people driving taxis who weren't previously taxi drivers, right? They yeah. can make money on the side. Now people can make money on the side doing what Absolutely. you're proposing right, on your platform. So in a way, you're dealing with latency and latency is huge here in Asia. And it particularly appeals to a market of people who have moved from one country to another as well. Because the latency is the highest. Yep. I think that they are the ones who don't have big communities, don't have a lot of commitments. And, you know, there's a lot of people now traveling around, backpacking as well around Asia. A lot of those guys can teach, make money out of their where they're working online, they can go and teach in the cities that they're in as well. So yeah, in Australia also, where we where we are operating, there are a lot of these backpacking people you're describing um, that aim to settle in one city for a couple of months, then they move yeah. to another place. We work with them. We uh, we are delighted actually because right now it's so funny. We just launched a new language last week in Australia, Swedish. Swedish and 
and and there are people asking to learn Swedish in Australia. Yeah. So so it's fun because we have people from uh, that are Swedish and, and that that can teach that language. So it's very fragmented. People look for experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like the way you describe it as experience. It's interesting. It, it's it's new in your space, but if you think about it, you're right. You know, that is really the value add to people as well. I, I don't want to um, miss out the key point here from your, your ask. I mean, because some people are not watching on the video. They may just be listening in. You've put in here two and a half million. Is that US or Sing dollars? No, it's all in Singapore dollars. So two and a half Sing, that's about 1.8 US or 1.7 US. Doing yeah. the math quickly. About that, right? Just under 2 million US for 25%. As you said, that's going to um, fund expansion, mainly branding and marketing. Yeah. And more organic marketing as well? Just 25% post money, I must say. Post money, okay. So, so okay. important. It's but that's mostly for marketing, for our team. Uh, we do things that are totally not conventional. I mean, I've been bootstrapping this business for almost three years. And my team is still overseas. Uh, I still work with developers who are not there when I need them. And it becomes challenging. Today, we had an error on the website. People mm. could not sign up as a tutor. I cannot tell you and describe you how much stress that actually generates on me because there are thousands of people who try to come on our website. Yeah. Never happens usually, but it happened today, so I can uh, share this experience with you. And the problem is that I was telling you, Graham, that our developer at the moment, we have one developer, and she's based in Argentina. So that is a weakness, and right. that cannot last like this forever. We need to have the proper tools. As I said, the tech is a tool. We need that tool now. It's not just a benefit. Right. like it used to be. Now it's really part of the business plan. Is, is your whole team virtual? Well, not virtual, remote? I know that's, that's an uh, old yes, school word. They are, to they are all, they are right. all so virtual. In Singapore, in the real world, so in the Singapore offline, there's you? Yes. Just you? Yes. So your company's registered I mean, here? Not just me. Yes, it's here. It's registered yeah. in Singapore because I live in Singapore. Um, it's not just uh, not just me. There is the COO. He's not the COO on paper because in our company, there is no COO. Yeah. Um, his name is Ronald and he's taking care of our operations. He's the head of the BPO company I work with mm -hmm. that is based in Jakarta. Actually, his company's name is WorkElves. Mm -hmm. I can only recommend their services. They are doing a great job. I work with them in Jakarta and I work with other people directly with the people in Manila. So right. I don't go through an agency in Manila, but I go through him because he's based in Singapore. Uh, we met two years ago, and since then, they have been doing this work. Uh, we have been doing this work together, and it works fine. Right. So as a part of your growth strategy, you would want to kind of insource some of your core skills as well and have them based here? I would Singapore? love to. I believe yeah. it's necessary at some point. Do you know the company Buffer? Yes, Buffer. Yeah. yeah absolutely. In American business, um, I look up to them because I believe that they have achieved something that no one else has been able to do so far. So their entire team, I think there are 80-ish people, they are based in many different yeah. countries. They all work remotely. Uh, they are all virtual, as you said. But it works for them and it mm. works fine. Um, but I think that they have... Uh, roles in the company so most of them are developers coders i they they have an amazing spirit they share all the information i love that they share their salaries they share everything on the blog of the website if you mm. visit the blog of buff uh, buffer you'll be able to see all that information so everybody knows how much the person in san francisco is actually earning as compared to the one in singapore because i think there is one person who works for them in singapore um this is challenging to achieve because they meet once or twice a year. They mm. do a company gathering, sometimes in a fun location. Uh, that's what I've read about them. And I like that idea. 
And right now I am on the edge of, do I keep on doing things the way they are by having remote workers in different locations? Mm. Or do we need to gather and have a strong um, a seed of people in one location? Mm. It's a question I'm still asking myself. I think maybe you could have a hybrid, a mix. You could have a core team. It's who tough. Yeah, uh, it's tough because I, I doubt actually Buffer has uh, an hybrid uh, mm. organization because at the moment you do something hybrid, there are going to be people who will be left out. Yeah, that's for sure. But so, isn't there some people who don't mind being left out? I mean, who don't <laughs> I mean, there are people who do <laughs> outsource. Do well, there are people. I mean, I've worked a lot with outsourced people. There's a lot of people who work outsourced and don't mind working outsourced. That's what I mean. That they don't mind, you know, just it's, doing tasks. It's very likely, I believe, that at the stage we are in right at right now um, we will need people who are core uh, people mm. like uh, talking about developers talking about the SEO uh, team if these people could be part of our seed uh, team mm. here in Singapore or elsewhere it could be it will improve our, our business process I yeah. am I'm, yeah I think so um, and we could still keep our outsourced teams in uh, mm. other countries Perhaps you're right. We just didn't try it out yet. So well, we'll find out. It's something we need to try. It's something. So basically, yes, that's why we will raise money for our team. And also, and most importantly, I think 80% of the money will actually go eventually to spreading the word uh, of Tutoru to the people who don't know us yet. Yeah. We have invested actually last month. It's funny. Uh, I say it's funny because we've uh, I've, I've discovered... Every, like everybody, I watch videos on Facebook and there was that video called iRabbit I found on Facebook. It was one year ago, I think. And I was like, this is a very funny video. Just watch it if you can. Uh, I won't describe it here. We don't have time, but it's a five minutes video. It's really funny. iRabbit. The guy who's created it, I Facebooked him and I was like, do you do videos for a living? I'm interested. I'm sure we could cooperate. So actually he was based in Paris coincidence i flew to paris in september we met uh, his name is krishna and uh, we we made a first video that he that i produced last month and that was released three four weeks ago now um you can watch it on our facebook page on tutorial page that video has generated over two thousand two hundred thousand views mm -hmm. uh in in two weeks uh, and it's it's really funny i believe that we could invest more resources yeah. into that kind of content because that kind of content once it's become viral it could be written content it could be um, video content it could be as we are doing right now uh, radio content you need to do this you need to get your word out mm. right now I've spent a lot of my personal time working in front of my screen with my team uh, we were doing our things together but I think the value right now especially in my time, is to get to tell the world about our existence and about what we do and mm. what we do best. Yeah, great. Well, I'm excited for the next chapter. Obviously, you've mentioned that you're um, expanding and you're looking for core team as well. Uh, we have people who watch the show, listen to the show, who are interested in working for startups or joining teams. Or that Usually they listen to the story of the startup founder and it's like, yeah, I'm in. I want to work for this guy cool. or, yeah, I like this team. You know, you mentioned Buffer. So you've read something, you've read their blog post and you thought, these guys are really cool. I see myself working there. This is what happens here. So as well as investors, we have you know, entrepreneurs and talent who watch the show and they then reach out. So with that in mind, what kind of people are you looking for? What kind of mindset? You've mentioned some of the skills like developers and so on. Yeah, yeah. 
I think for you, it's the mindset. How would they fit in? How would they sort of work with Tutoro? What are you looking for? Curiosity is the number one thing. I believe that, uh, yeah, you have to be curious when you want to work in a startup. You have to question everything. You have to question everything. You cannot take for granted that there are things uh, that should be done the very same way day by day. Mm. Um, I love to be able to work with a team that doesn't question everything we do because it's very important that once we do something that's right, we just duplicate it. Mm. As I said, we have a playbook, so it's good not to question too many things. Otherwise, you go into many di different directions. But I believe that uh, if you want to learn, uh, get gain a startup experience like I did almost 10 years ago in Canada it's very important that you start working closely with founders mm. you understand the challenges when it comes to actually earning revenue and being able to to pay your bills at the end of the month uh, the startup world is not as glamorous as a lot of media want it to be described and uh, there is a lot of hard work to be done I believe that a lot of people would love to do the job we do because it's we work with social media a lot. We lot we we work with uh, new tools, Google AdWords, as I was mentioning it. Uh, our blog is uh, being born as we speak. Uh, we are working on it. Uh, there is a lot of things right now. It's just about getting the word out. So if you are a person who is into PR, into marketing, into social media, who is into uh, who has great English skills when it comes to writing feel free to reach out to us. We will definitely look uh, look out for your applications. And the easiest way to reach out, email or LinkedIn? Just or? go on the website. website. There is a chat on the website. I will be notified within an hour. Right. So Excellent. we have a team there. They answer. We use Intercom. Uh, and, and if there is no team at the moment, let's say you send a message on a Saturday night at 10 p.m., perhaps you will get a bot, but still the message will It'll eventually be in my uh, phone. Yeah, tell Nicholas you watched this interview as well and sure. reach out. And if you, anything that, point. yeah, I mean, you've uh, you said today, if it strikes a chord, then I, I think you're, the, the last point I really liked is that there's a lot of people who want to work in the startup world and you don't necessarily have to go and start your own startup. Often the best way is to go and work for somebody else's startup, especially if you're young or you're, you're new to the area. Go and work with a founder you believe in, right? Because you always look at a startup based on the founder and the Absolutely. team because they are going to be your mentors and train you so look at that as a job experience that you can gain and then you know if you do want to go and start your own startup in the future that's fine i agree with you look at the founder's mistakes because i also make some uh, like anyone else and try not to reproduce those mistakes try to gain that experience i think it's something i've learned from a good friend of mine actually uh from canada and i learned a lot from him i also learned from his mistakes and uh, and I think it's it's a, it's crucial. You cannot just say one day I'm going to start my startup. I didn't actually say that one day, that any day that I will create Tutoro. It's going to be called Tutoro. I will buy the domain name and I will use WhatsApp and I will hire people in Manila. No, it doesn't happen like this. No, it's a lot never, of never. iteration. Yeah, iteration is a key word, super strong word in the startup world. Uh, you have to try things out. Uh, you don't put all, I was talking about advertising and the fact that 80% of the uh, investment that we would eventually look for is going to, 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 um, to fund our advertising strategy. It's wrong if I don't justify that there is going to be a lot of iteration behind mm. that. It's not going to be spent overnight. It's something we have strong metrics. With AdWords, I know exactly the number of search terms. I know exactly the, the target market that we aim 
to reach. I also know that 10% of the population are looking for private language tutor every year, which is a very strong number, I believe, just based on the number of searches made online. Google is very competitive, so I have some metrics. But you cannot just say, I'm going to, I remember 10 years ago in the startup I worked with, I worked for uh, my colleague Veronique, she, she, she asked me, should we advertise in the Globe and Mail? Globe and Mail, it's like the Straits Times of Singapore in mm -hmm. Canada, with very, uh, it's the massive newspaper there. And the ad will cost $20,000. We were a startup, uh, but we had the money, we could do it. But it's just that, do we need this? So we did it. I had no clue. We got one phone call. I mean, <laughs> it's ridiculous, right? So the lead, the, the, the cost of acquisition of that phone call was $20,000. Right. Yeah. It's completely ridiculous. So you don't want to do things like that. You need to try things out first. Absolutely. And, uh, and if you're not ready to spend $1,000 there, just don't go with $20,000 in the first place. So um, it's a step-by-step -step business. You got to be willing to fail and try. Yes, small mistakes, I would say. Absolutely. Not big yeah, ones. Yeah. Nicolas Van Hove. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Tutoro. Yes. As you can see from the from the T shirt there. I mean exactly. if you're watching on video, Tutoro. It's T U T O R O O dot co. Dot co not dot com. That's right. We'll put all the details in the show notes. Thank you for sharing your vision with us today and your journey. Thank you, Graham. Wishing you all the best and um, wishing all the best with the next round as well. It sounds exciting. And it's great to have somebody who's passionate about their craft. You know, that teaching and connecting people as well and doing it as an experience. So I think there's more. There's more to talk about that whole area you're involved sure. in rather than just as a business, but that whole sort of creating experience out of, you know, languages and teaching as well. So, And if anyone in our audience is interested in teaching their mother tongue, feel free to sign up on the platform. It's free. It takes five minutes. Uh, or if you know people with fun languages, rare languages, mm. Mongolian uh, Japanese, Korean, all these languages, but even more uncommon languages, not traditional languages, feel free to let them know about us and, and the fact that they can actually earn decent money by teaching their mother tongue with uh, people nearby. Excellent. Nicholas Van Hove, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, Graham. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.